I'm moving up here next to everybody. I got to get rid of all these signs. Listen, I don't know who left this on my seat. I got a lot of catching up to do with you folks today, okay? Is that all right? Okay, so a little bit of business here. Do or do not. There is no try. Somebody left that on my seat. I thought, that's perfect for this morning. And by the way, thank you guys for some really great worship uh, this morning. Good, good uh, focus on God on some of those. Really neat. Um, let me just say, so I have to make use of that. Do or do not. Maybe I'll get a Yoda costume sometime. And I have to probably drive people right out of the church like, we, we've had enough of him. He's crazy. And, uh, yeah, I kind of am a little. So I needed to say, uh, last week I know uh, was my first formal day as the pastor of Harmony Baptist Church. That was last Sunday. Thank you very much. Uh, and today is my last Sunday. As a... <laughs> and they applaud again. <laughs> uh, that was a joke. <clears throat> but I didn't, you know, I was kind of like, a little bit overwhelmed, you know, it was kind of fun, uh, and uh, I just, people say, is he happy, is he happy? I'm always happy, <laughs> and, uh, but I am, and uh, kind of excited to see what will happen, you know, and I wanted to say thank you to so many of you, it was uh, wonderful things happen in October, it's my favorite month, besides Halloween, I grew up, I, I know this is bad for some people, but Halloween was my favorite time when I was a kid, and it was probably because my birthday is only a week in advance, and so uh, we got a lot of cards for our birthday and for um, pastor appreciation. And so thank you so much for your cards, your notes, gifts, and especially those of you who are trying to help me get on my task of watching movies. I got a lot of things to go to the movies, so I'll be catching up because I was told for those of you who are new, uh, you need to come up with some new uh, you know, movie quotes and video clips. And, uh, you know, I mean, everybody's getting bored with Yoda, you know, right? No, you're not getting bored? No? Mm, help you, I will. Mm. Yeah. You must unlearn what you have learned. Anyway, so we'll get to that. And if you don't notice it, uh, that voice is also Grover. On Sesame Street. Yeah, you guys didn't? It's the same guy. Anyway, same voice, I mean. Um, so I wanted to say thank you, and um, I have a bunch of people that have wanted to get with us on a more relaxed social basis. I mean a list. So I'm not blowing anybody off. I haven't forgotten you. I think I've got everybody's name. If you're worried if you're not on the list, come talk to me and say, do you have us on the list? And I'll say, yes, you and 100. No, I mean, I got it. So we will catch up. And uh, it's probably going to be, have to be after, like, Thanksgiving, you know, catching up, just because it's been absolutely bedlam. And uh, it's all good, though, right? So just so you're aware of that, did I forget anything, dear? You don't know. You're supposed to keep me straight. Okay. All right, so I think I've covered everything I needed to mention. So this morning, uh, thank you, Jody, for going the extra mile. She rescued us. Uh, we had a glitch my screens weren't in place, and she ran all the way across the parking lot and solved my problem. Domo arigato gozaimasu. So thankful. Especially because, um, oh, and I, I, I had one other announcement to make, and that is tonight is prayer meeting. Um, the week after Thanksgiving is the fifth week. We won't have it that week, and then we have one in the new month of December, and then when we get close to the holidays, I know better. Everybody's wiped out. We won't try to do that, okay? See, everybody says, what a wise pastor. <laughs> it's just practical, okay? But you'll see why it's important in just a minute. All right, so let me see. I covered that. I got the I got them in the front of prayer meeting. Yeah, that's good enough. In your bulletin, there's a little outline if you're a note taker. You may want to take notes today, even if you normally aren't uh, a note taker. And my title today is um, actually stolen. I know you're surprised at that, because I never do anything like that. <clears throat> but of course I do. And uh, it's Hand Me Another Brick. Charles Swindoll wrote a book. It was actually a book on spiritual leadership. It's an excellent little text, by the way. And Nehemiah is, in fact, a classic study in spiritual leadership. Um, I know for some of us, going into the Old Testament is like new territory, right? 
And, uh, but I'm telling you, this is one of the best books to learn quickly, so get some lessons from quickly. And if you haven't done it already, maybe some of you, because of last week, were curious enough to look into the book of Nehemiah. If you just read the first three to five chapters, it won't take you long at all. You'll get a pretty good picture of what's going on and what the dynamics and the drama of the whole thing is about. But my apologies to Chuck Swindoll, not that he really needs my apologies, but it was from his book that I stole the title. Because last week, uh, being my first uh, formal week, uh, I was preaching uh, out of Nehemiah about the fact that we need to restore. We need to see God work afresh in a way to rebuild the broken walls symbolically of our history here as a church. And uh, today, there's two ways you can proclaim truth on Sunday mornings and what we traditionally call preaching. You can preach slash teach and exhort, and you might notice that I tend to exhort on a regular basis. Do you know what I mean by exhortation? That means like, this is the right thing to do, so like, let's stop doing the wrong thing and do the right thing. That's an exhortation. Or, you can do this, even though you don't think you can. Yes, you really can. Come on, you know like a person who runs alongside you in a 5K and exhorts you, encourages you along. The other way that is proclamation is leading what is called leading from the pulpit. And this morning, I'm going to do a little bit of that. And you notice the title is Hand Me Another Brick. So I've got some symbolic bricks up here because we want to... They're actually wood blocks, but don't hold that against me. And uh, I know the difference between wood and brick. Uh, we're going to build a little bit. We want to talk about building. Uh, what we need to, what kind of blocks we need to put on top of one another here. And so let's talk about that today. So let's pray together and ask God to guide us as we look into the word. Thank you, God, for uh, bringing your people together. Uh, I know we, we prayed earlier about the chaos in the world. We are in a, we're in, a, we're in fragile times. So when we gather here and we gather in safety and we can worship and proclaim the name of Jesus freely, which some of us, I know in our culture, some people yawn about that. And I apologize to you, King Jesus, that people yawn about the great Savior of the universe, the Savior of the world. But Lord, this is a phenomenal privilege that we have, that we can still honor you and bless you and obey you as best as we can in, a, in an environment that is not always friendly toward your name. So thank you for the gathering of your saints. Thank you for the stirrings of your spirit, the fact that you've given us hope here. And uh, we bless your name, and we want to be all ears today. We want to lean in and hear from you. And, you know, like when we pray together, God, we, I often will pray, uh, Lord, you from heaven, bend down, lean in, and hear us. And so today we want to hear you. We ask in the name of Jesus that you uh, help your servant to be clear. I need your help. And help our ears to be open. We need your help. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So today, we're going to look again at the book of Nehemiah. And uh, we've already started with that. You heard the passage read this morning, a little bit of a drama scene where the enemy starts coming out of the woodwork. The Israelites are starting to make some progress. And trust me, if we start making some progress, the enemy will come out of the woodwork and uh, make some drama. can bet on it. So we want to be prepared. There are some things we can learn in doing that. But I was thinking about laying bricks. You know, they had, to, they had a physical thing they had to do. They had to rebuild the walls, which represented um, the protection of their holy worship site, the temple, and it represented security for the children of Israel. And so to not have a, an intact defense was a dishonor. It, was, it meant that they were at risk. It was like uh, impugning God's reputation because where is his safety for his people, right? So that's what they were working on. So they had to start building. Now, when we think of building with bricks, our brickwork kind of looks like this today. But back then, it looked more like this. 
that's a little section of the, wall, the Wailing Wall. You might recognize it if you're an Israeli fan. You like to look at some of the history. That's what it looks like. Our, um, our work uh, that we're talking about today probably looked a little more like adobe bricks patched together with stones and whatever because this was an emergency work. This was making up for the damage that was done using broken down burned blocks plus whatever else they had to put together to make a fortress a defense and take away the reproach, as the passage said, take away the reproach from the children of Israel. So we want to say that in the sovereignty of God, he brought the children of Israel back to the promised land, got worship back in place, and then when this issue was at stake, Nehemiah prays. We saw that in chapter 1. He asked God to help him, and God does amazingly help him. Remember this language last time. Um, I'm not getting any. There we go. The king granted them to me because the good hand of God was on me. He made requests. What do you need, Nehemiah? Your face is sad. Remember that? And he's like, Lord, don't let me lose my head because you don't rain on the king's parade ever. And the king loved Nehemiah. He trusted Nehemiah, the guy that would drink drinks before the king so that if somebody was trying to poison the king, Nehemiah would die. That develops a rather trustworthy relationship, and God says, okay, okay, you know what? You've got mileage with me. What do you need? What do you want? And I said last week he gave him the king's credit card. He sent him out with a badge, made him governor of the territory, provided everything that he needed, everything necessary. And so he tells the people of God, I told them how the hand of God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. So the children of Israel said, okay, in the sovereignty of God, we see God lining things up that maybe he wants to do something. Wow, is there any connection between that story and ours? I think so. We're here by no accidents. Yes, we've had some bad circumstances in our history. Can anybody say amen? amen? Yes, there's been sin. There's been damage. Yes, I get all of that. But we also have the steadfast grace of God available if we'll make use of it. And now we've come to this point. He's called us together. He's worked with sovereignty in your life, in my life. Oh, huge, man. Pummeling me. <laughs> you know? doing a work in my life as well, bringing us to this point where we pulled together in such a way that we ended up with, really, my, my consultant said in California, that's an amazing 96% vote. That's amazing in this day and age when people don't even care about being part of a church. By the way, speaking of sovereignty, I actually wrote this in my notes. It's actually amazing to me in the culture in which we live, that people actually get out of their beds on a Sunday, skip going water skiing, of course you wouldn't be doing it this morning, and come to church to hear some nut preach about the gospel. <laughs> Don't say amen too loud, but yeah, you can. I am a nut, all right? So do you follow what I mean? The fact that people do that in our culture is astounding. You know, we're a video-crazed culture. We've got a million things to do. I mean, Sunday mornings were for everything else. But people make that commitment. The fact that we're seeing some of this stirring right here with us is part of the sovereignty of God setting us up, if you will. And he's brought new people that are interested, they're leaning in, want to link arms with us. I mean, that, there's something going on. I'm guessing. I could be wrong. Now, our brother Bill, who's in the hospital, said, you remind everybody of this. I said this a while back. I'm going to say it again. It's not for discouragement. It's for the, the purpose of spurring us on. I told you, we have a one chance in three of pulling this off. Right? The walls have been so broken down. The reputation is such that it's difficult. Our discipleship level is very low. We have a one chance in three of pulling this off. But that's one chance in three. Because with God, yeah, I, that's, that's in the Bible somewhere, isn't it? With God, all things are possible. So I'm saying that to encourage us and to be also encouraging that, 
you need to understand that um, I, I look at this point in time where we are in America. Uh, churches are at big risk. Churches like this are going to basically disappear from the landscape in the next 20, 30 years. You know, the saints that have been holding the fort together have been paying the bills. They're going to pass away, go to be with Jesus. They're not bringing in any new people. Those places are going to close their doors. They're going to sell their buildings. That's just the hard, cold facts. Look it up for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. Do any studies on the subject. Mega churches that are preaching the gospel in a vital way continue to grow, and some small churches who get a touchdown of the Spirit do the same. There's still a place for local churches, thanks be to God. I don't care what the Internet offers. It ain't the same thing. Those of you who do church through the Internet, you're missing something. Vital. Yes, vital. But that's a whole other subject. And if I don't get on task, I won't get all my building blocks in place, and then you'll all leave mad. (laughs) Sounds like what my relatives used to say to me. Don't go away mad. Just go away, right? You remember that? Okay. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that's what my relatives said to me. So, what's our part? God's part is to set things up by his providence, and there's more. His spirit has to be actively involved with us, but let me explain our part. So, our part is our participation. So, Nehemiah lays it out, says, it looks like God wants to take away our reproach here. He wants to do something good, and they respond with, let's arise and build. And so, they put their hands to the good work. That's a great verse, isn't it? There's a better one coming. But this one is really good. Let's do it. And they put their hands to the good work. And by the way, who put their hands to the good work? Let me show you something. This is kind of fun. Um, they arise and build. This, that little verse isn't on your sheet, but the next one is. Who went ahead and built? Eliashib, the high priest. The high priest. You know, this guy's got a desk job. You know what I'm saying? And now he's throwing mud. You know, and soaking blocks and stick them. You guys have not done too much uh, masonry work, have you? I know what this is about. Actually, if you're really good, it's right? Anybody seen it? You know what I mean? On each side, and then you guys got to get out more. Okay, they even have videos. Go look it up. Anyway, so Eliashib, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priests. And, they, I mean, they're used to, you know, taking animals and, you know, and putting offerings and doing... And here they are, out throwing hog. You know what I mean? That's what they're doing. They built the sheep gate. They consecrated it, hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel. Next to him, the men of Jericho. They're out-of-towners. They came in and said, well, let's do this. And next to them, Zachar, the son of Imri. You know Zachar? No, you never heard of him before. Of course you didn't. Who is he? We don't know. Isn't it cool? Everybody that put their hand to the work gets mentioned. See, we're Christians. I'm going to tell you, I've said this when I first came here. Our besetting sin is unbelief. Here's one of the manifestations of unbelief. We think we're going to just kind of, I love that song, Thrive. Let's just survive and get through this. We're going to answer to the king. We've got a king we're going to stand before. Every man and woman, every human being is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? And, uh, we're, you know, so I'm living my life here. I'm hoping to stockpile some good news there. <laughs> did, did any of that make sense? Or I'm just, I'm just a raving, yeah. I mean, that's been, the, that's been the hope of the saints forever. Yes, I believe that God brings us abundant life and eternal life, right? Eternal life is now. We enjoy our life here. God's given it to us to be blessed and to be a blessing, just like Abraham. You'll be blessed and you'll be a blessing. But I also believe when I get into eternity, I want to have a lot of, um, a lot of my retirement paid up there in advance. Everyone that puts their hand to the kingdom work in this life, they get mentioned. If it's in the Bible, imagine what it's going to be like on the eternal recorders in heaven. Much better uh, CD-ROM up there, you know what I mean? Much better. All right, so I did a little preaching there. I'm supposed to be leading. 
Sorry. Okay, so these are the people who jump in. Everybody jumps in to make it happen. Full participation. And the workers are not all gifted to do that. You know, if we're going to build from the ground up in a way, and, and it feels that way for me to some degree, uh, everybody's, sometimes we're going to have to do things we're not really comfortable with. You know, I, this may be a shock to you. I've had to do some things I'm not really comfortable with, even since being here. Okay? And we may have to do some things that we're not gifted. Now, the ideal, and you've heard me say this before, the ideal is God wants us to be, uh, oh, I don't want you to see that. No, nobody look. <laughs> he wants us to be moving in our area of gifting because that's where there's real fulfillment. So we get the wall up, then we can all go back to what we're called to do, you know priests, people, whatever, whatever the role is in the gifting. I don't have time for electron gifts, but you get the idea. It's not supposed to be misery. Oh, I got to go serve God today. Got to go do my stint in the nursery. You know, whatever. You know, if that's, you know, hopefully we'll get to where you can do what your gift is. And you can say, oh, goody, I can't wait to go. Anyway, I'm hoping. Anyhow, so you get what I'm saying. Everybody had to jump in. Now, the reason I showed you this, I just wanted you to get a little picture of what they were doing. See, um, let me see if I can show you right up there. There's the Tower of Henanel. See it? Sheepgate. That's where the priest, the chief priest, the head priest was working right up in there. But look at how much territory. And if you notice this, 500 yards, just doing a little math as I worked around this, this is about a mile and a half of construction work. That's a lot of wall. That is a lot of wall. I don't know about you, but when I look at something like that, in, in real life, you look at that like when you're remodeling your house or you're building a house, Jay, it, doesn't it look overwhelming? When you first look at it, you go, oi, no one else has had that reaction? See, he's so upset he's leaving. <laughs> you follow what I mean? It's like, oh, my word. And sometimes we can look and say, to get us back on track, it, it, it's going to be some work. It's a little bit daunting, and I've used that expression. I'm excited, so I want to be clear. I'm happy, you know? Okay, everybody got that? Yeah, because yeah, you were wondering last week. I know you went home wondering, is he happy or is he, is he okay? No, it's me. But anyway, but I'm happy, but I'm, I'm a little daunted, you know? I'm a little bit, I've been honest with people behind the scenes. I'm a little daunted. This is a challenge. It's, it's a lot of rubble. We've got to fix it up. So let's see what God does. So that's their little, little story there, a little map of uh, the old Jerusalem. Now, let me quote somebody just about participation. And this isn't uncommon because every church has this problem. The typical, you know, who knows Prieto's law, right? You know, 20% of the people do, 80% of the work. God never intended it that way biblically. You know, the Bible says we all have some call. There's something we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to participate. Better to have something than nothing. I preached a sermon when I had first got here, and I quoted from, um, uh, what's that great uh, Emma Thompson movie? Um, Sense and Sensibility, where uh, Colonel... See, I'm, this is what happens when I go off on my um, bunny trails because I have ADD, but... Colonel Brandon, when the, when the woman he's in love with is deathly ill, he says, give me an occupation or I shall go mad. And I remember Jim Bays, who's quite ill, but wants to see this church grow, he says to me, he's quoting that to me, give me an occupation, give me an occupation or I shall go mad. Let me read from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Life Together. Excellent text if you've never read it. In a Christian community, everything depends upon whether each individual in, is in an indispensable link in a chain. Only when even the smallest link is securely interlocked is the chain unbreakable. A community which allows unemployed members to exist within it will perish because of them. He's got to be wrong. Now, let me read it again. I think he may know something. 
A community which allows unemployed members to exist within it will perish because of them. It will be well, therefore, if every member receives a definite task to perform for the community, that he may know in the hours of doubt that he, too, is not useless and unusable. Every Christian community must realize that not only do the weak need the strong, but also the strong cannot exist without the weak. Hello? The elimination of the weak is the death of the fellowship. Wow. There's a little comment on humility. I'll save that for another time there, but because it affects how we look at doing kingdom work. So, what are some of our bricks? Well, let me mention one of the big ones first and foremost, and that is something that's in place, a little shaky at times, but uh, we've done pretty well, and that is W&W, worship and the word. If you're from a reform background, they call it word and sacrament. When we gather together on a Sunday, there's the preaching of the word, and under the word comes worship and sacrament, where we participate together in communion and uh, worship the Savior and give thanks for what he's done and do self-examination, all the things that are normal in the body life of the church, should be normal in the body life of the church. So worship and word. And here's what I I thought of when I looked at it. I said, I beseech thee, O God, Lord of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. This is Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1, right? And look at what's in there. Worship the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, the promise-keeping God. Anybody want to say amen? amen? Yeah. And... Who's on the other end? That's worship. That's the first one. And then the second one is those who love him and keep his, the word. There's something in the Old Testament about those that God honors, those who tremble at his word. We've had some trembling, more like fissures and earthquakes on occasion, where people aren't totally convinced whether the word is trustworthy, whether it is in fact the inspired authoritative word, and it's describing the real universe in which we live. It is describing it. Now, and I'm not, I don't have time to unpack, you know, not being hyper-literal. But... The scriptural description of what is described behind the veil that we call the world in which we live, the spiritual reality, what the Bible described is absolutely true and trustworthy. So if we're convinced, then worship in the word has a solid block foundation for that part of the wall, right? Worship and word. Our church... uh, Doctrines and, and uh, paperwork, uh, what am I, constitution, bylaws, all this based on biblical standards, clear teaching on gospel and the authority, authority of the word of God. So that's a good foundation. So that's a big one. Here's one that I consider very big and I will keep driving it. Is why am I, I'm a fanatic about this, all right? And that is P. Anybody want to guess what P is? You're so smart. You can stay in my class. What's that? I told that already. There's P. That's a big one right there. Everybody's waiting to see if these blocks are going to fall down. Ah. <laughs> Prayer. Fundamental. Remember the word which thou didst command, thy servant Moses, saying, get this. If you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. And guess what? It had just happened. Here they are back in the promised land. God had done what he had said he would do. And by by the way, that principle still remains true in the New Testament context, doesn't it? The word repent is return. Often the same word is used, return, turn back. Change your mind is the New Testament word, metanoia. I change my mind. I'm going the wrong direction. I'll turn around and go back. If you'll do that, even if you've gotten yourself out in the weeds. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of saints out in the weeds. Spiritually in the weeds, it's unhealthy. I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back. I'll work with you. Work with me, and I'll work with you. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Sounds biblical, doesn't it? 
prayer. That's what prayer is about. Us drawing near and saying, God, we need your help. We need, we need you to stretch your hands out. Thank you for bringing me out of the weeds. Maybe I'm mostly out of the weeds. Thank you for bringing me out. Now stretch your hand out and go after that one and that one and that daughter and that son and that grandchild and whatever and bring them back out of the weeds. Do a work. A constant appeal. Even when uh, he gets asked by the king, what's your problem? What did he say? Right away, I prayed to the God of heaven. The New Testament version of that is pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean you pray 24-7 and never do anything else. It means it becomes a habit that, God, hey, be with me in this thing right now. I'm driving down the road, and I want to really run that guy off the road. Help me. That's a prayer. (laughs) Hey, come on, get real. (laughs) I prayed to the God of heaven, but look. This is something that we can pay attention to. Restate the word and the promises and claim it. Nehemiah said, if we'll draw near to God, if we'll try to take away the reproach, God will help us. And when the enemy came on the scene and said, what are you trying to do? Are you getting in trouble here? Do we have to call the police and have them arrest you and blah, 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 blah? How did Nehemiah respond? Here it is. I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven will give us success. Isn't that a great statement? The God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we as servants will arise and build, but you get lost. Oh boy, there's like four sermons in there. Because some of us have to learn how to stand on the promises of God. If God has said this, I get myself into a position which I call old, old, old language from the old saints, praying ground where I'm in alignment with God mentally and emotionally. I'm saying, yes, I'm on praying ground. Then I take the promise. Here's what God has said. It's time to give the enemy a good black eye. It's time to push back and say, enough. It's time for God to help us win this particular battle. There's a whole bunch of stuff to learn there about how we can war in the power of the Spirit and help us. But the best part is, I'm not listening to the naysayer. The God of heaven will give us success. Stand on his promises. So when we, um, when we pray together on Sunday nights, um, I'm going to use a little acronym. Anybody ever heard of PUSH? Yeah, P-U-S-H. Okay, one person. All right. Pray until... Something happens. That's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to move in and begin to work. Start putting people under conviction. Helping people who don't have their trust really in Christ. They think they're okay because they were raised in church or whatever. Help them to come to genuine illumination. That's what it means. I could have had a V8. That's what the gospel is. That's for me. He loves me. He's rescued me. I made that personal. That's what we need to see, a work of the Spirit. The God of heaven shall grant us success. So prayer is an important building block for our wall. So now I'm going to push this a little further to three areas that they're the immediate things on my mind. I'm sure others have come up later, but let me just give you these real quick. Okay. The S word is stewardship. All right, stewardship. So let me put my little block up here because we want to do that. See how quiet it got? I mentioned stewardship. Boy, you're, you're, and see, I'm not even going where you're thinking I'm going. You think I'm going, you think I'm going down into your wallet <laughs> or your bank book, and I'm not really. Although that is important. Can I just be blunt? That's part of discipleship. It's just normal. So, whole nother subject. I don't really want to park on it right now. But let me just say this. Here, here, oh, I went too far. Let me go back. I said to them, you see the bad situation we're in? Jerusalem is desolate. Its gates are burned by fire. Let's rebuild so that we won't be a reproach. What he's saying is, let's steward what we have here. Let's steward what we have. We've got broken down walls. We've got the temple. We've got people living here. God's name is at stake here. So let's steward what we have. Yes, stewardship, our participation financially matters. Of course it does. Participation physically, financially, our time, our talents, our treasures, all of that's involved in stewardship. But I'm talking about stewarding what we have. What do we have? 
We have the offerings of God's people, money. We have missionaries out there that are depending on our work. We have a Christian school that we want to leverage. I've already been spending time, you know, there was a question, but I've been spending time as Mr. Barry and I work together to speak life into our teachers and staff as well. Did I succeed or did I fail? So far, so good. Okay. Glad to hear it. Because we want the whole atmosphere. You know, we've talked about transforming our ethos, our atmosphere. That needs to happen in here as well as in there. Because we're supposed to be on the same team. We're all on the same team, right? So we want to steward what God has given us. And one other thing is the facilities. I think sometimes our finances we haven't used well. I think our facilities leave quite a bit to be desired. We need to look like we're open for business, like we mean it. So there are some things that we need to go after in the days ahead. Okay? That's stewardship. Next word is a T word. Anybody want to guess what that is? Not tithing. We already touched. I already made you nervous with stewardship, right? I'm not going to do it twice. T. Good. Training. Close enough. Yeah. We need to grow a little bit. We need to uh, learn a little bit in the areas of evangelism and discipleship, working together as teams. If we're going to have small groups, I have to have the confidence that those who lead in the small groups can help people find genuine faith, get on the right track biblically, not be counseled in the wrong direction, to have people that would be available up here when the Holy Spirit starts working and we want to get right with God. We need people who can coach us in the right direction, right? All of that requires some training, some development of leaders and mentorship and what have you. We need to change atmospherically, and I've mentioned this before, an atmosphere of welcome and outreach. I'm just going to go back to... Um, and I'm so thankful for those of you who are here that have been visitors over the last few months that feel welcome. Thanks be to God. That's progress. That's good. This is from our prescription page when the ministry mapping team was here. Okay. You love having me resurrect this junk, don't you? So, <laughs> but let me just read prescription number four. Missional balance. Create a healthy balance between biblical inward and outward focused ministry. Get that? Inward and outward. You've got to have both. See, if you neglect the patient's health, he's not going to live to be able to go help another person as a doctor or a medical personnel. He's going to die. So you have to have both. Some people like separate. No, no, you've got to be all, you be all outreach. No, you have to have both. So a healthy balance. Identify your community as your primary mission priority. We're in process of that. Develop a church culture. Here's the main one. That emphasizes every member as a missionary of the gospel. Oops. Recast the vision for outreach. Praying for God to move in the lives of the congregation to act on that vision. You know, it's interesting. One of Jesus' prayer requests. Jesus actually gave prayer requests to his disciples. Did you know that? Yeah, he did. You know, pray that, pray that. And what was critical was pray the Lord of the harvest that he would make a big harvest. No, is that right? Make a big harvest? What is it? Yeah, pray that God would raise up laborers because the harvest is already white. It's the laborers that we need. And that's where I think we need some training, some confidence. And uh, some skills that can be, we can, get, we can get skills on our tool belt. We really can. And, you know, girlfriends want boyfriends with skills. You know, computer hacking skills, bow staff skills, evangelism skills. Girlfriends want boyfriends with skills. I'm sorry you don't get out enough. Okay. If you haven't figured out that was a quote from a really dumb movie, I don't know what I... I don't know how else to explain it to you. And when I talk about that, it really does matter to me. I'm just, I'm just telling you that we need some of those skills to be missional, and then we'll see what other targets God leads us to to go after. But one of the burdens that I have, I want everybody under the sound of my voice, that includes people in the room right now, and people who are under the sound of your voice to hear the true 
gospel. Not the, oh, I prayed a prayer in Sunday school and therefore I'm good even though God has no interaction with me. I don't have any dialogue with him. I don't have any experience of the Holy Spirit's prompting ever. The word of God does not affect me. I never open it and I still think I have a ticket. That is a false gospel. And we have swallowed it hugely in the evangelical church in America. I'm just telling you what I see. So I desire that everyone under the sound of my voice and those under your voice start getting infected with the good news. It's good news, amen? Amen. Life abundant and life eternal. Last one. Aren't you glad I'm done? He's leaving from the pulpit? I feel so beat up. Holy cow. No, hopefully not, right? Are you encouraged? Woo, let's go. Mm. Ooh. Get too wound up. I won't be able to take a nap today. Okay, so last one is an L. Oh, you're too clever. You said it? 12 points for this young lady over here. Leadership. I have to pick on Jimmy next time because we'll get to that another time. You know, we, he, he made a comment that I have got to just like hang him out to dry on. Okay, so too much fun. Just having too much fun. This isn't a very religious church. You're right. <laughs> Hope not. Anyway, leadership development. Oh, let me finish my sermon. Here we go. Long approach. Let's see. We built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height. Why? The people had a mind to work. Is that cool? <clears throat> Okay, I probably don't have enough time for all of this, but does anybody remember a while back one of our brothers provided these books? Uh I am a church member. (laughs) Tom Rayner, I I am a church member. And I had, I got to be, I've got to be really honest with you, I had mixed feelings about this text. And it's not because I don't like Tom Rayner, (laughs) it has nothing to do with that. Here's why I had mixed feelings. Because I came here two years ago and I saw a battered congregation. And I thought, I don't think they need more guilt. Right? I mean, you might need a little more. A few of you (laughs) might need a little more. But I don't think that's what we need. And, And, you know, this was like, come on, get over yourself and get with it. I don't think we were ready for that yet. It was a little bit like, ooh, ow, ooh, ow, yeah. And we're wounded. We're bleeding. We're hurting. Not time. Okay, but now I can say, it's time to get over it. Let's read the book. Okay. That was a little joke, but only a little. Because it does speak into some things that matter. For example, there's a, there's a section in here where he talks about churches that are um, self-focused and therefore they're shriveling up and they're not reaching out and they're broken. They're not doing what the church is called to do. And here's some of the manifestations of what happens in those churches. I'll just read the main points. See if you recognize any, he says. Ten dominant behavior patterns in members of these churches worship wars. I like or I don't like the music. Who cares? Prolonged minutia meetings. I heard that. Ugh. Facility focus in the wrong way. You can't move that. You can't touch that. Oh, yeah, we can. We can blow the whole wall out if we want to. It's here for the kingdom, not for you. Program-driven. Here's the problem. You need programs. The problem is sometimes we hide behind programs. We're doing the program, therefore we're doing the kingdom, but nobody's getting saved. Nothing's happening. Inwardly focused budget. It's all about us. Inordinate demands for pastoral care. But he did shake my hand this week. I'm going to find another church where the pastor loves me. <laughs> Attitudes. Are you laughing because I hit a note? or What's the issue there? Atti- yeah, I do. Attitudes of entitlement. Greater concern about change than about the gospel. Sometimes anger and hostility. Hopefully we're working our way out of that. And here's the bottom one, evangelistic apathy. Very few members share their faith on a regular basis, more concerned about their own needs rather than the greatest eternal needs of the world and the community in which they live. 
And by the way, can I just say, I get convicted whenever I read stuff like that. And I think there are ways to do it without being foolish or obnoxious or what have you. But um, some people said, you know, encouraged me about uh, altar calls and all of that. And I mentioned that already. But let me just say, we're coming to the Christmas season. That's a good time to invite people because I'm going to preach the gospel for three weeks in a row. It's the gospel. That's what Christmas is all about. I'll be done with Nehemiah. I'm going to preach the gospel. We should have fun. So, how far did I get? Did I finish? Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried the burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon because they were threatened. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. Why I moved this up from learning skills, which they had to learn, now Nehemiah rises up to keep them on task, Gesundheit, so that they don't get derailed because the enemy's making a little bit of havoc. The enemy's naysaying. Do you realize people are feeling this way about that? Yes, too bad. We're going to keep going because people are getting born again. Isn't that more important whether they're happy? And so Nehemiah says, okay, everybody shape up. Put your sword on and take your trowel. Let's go to work. They had to learn something new. They needed a leader to say, don't get derailed. Stay on task. We're going to win this thing. And they did. That's the cool part, is that they did. All right? So they would spend their time doing both. And here's the last part. Here's the real sample of this leader. At that time, I also said to the people when they were threatened, let each man with his servant spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. Do you see that? a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. That's nice. And none of us, we never took off our weapon even when we went to the water. That's a euphemism for going to the John. And that's my name, so I can get away with using it, and I don't care who likes it. But anyway, you get the idea. We were dead earnest about this. And Nehemiah sets the tone and leads them so that they don't get derailed. Like it or not, we start teaching and mentoring and training, getting some skills under our belt. God, by his mercy, is going to raise up leaders. And like it or not, you need leaders. I know we're in a culture that doesn't want to be under any authority. You can't tell me anything. That's really working well out there, I've noticed. But especially in the kingdom people, God's going to have to raise up elders. And did you notice the little line there? A guard for us. That's what I look for. Protection. Those who are genuinely concerned for the welfare of the saints, not their own interests, not whether somebody treated them nicely. What is happening in your life and how can I make you move toward Jesus rather than away from him? That's what elders are about. That's what shepherds are about. And that's what we need. Paul's response about Timothy, I have no one else like him that I can send for your welfare to the Philippians, he says. He alone is genuinely concerned for your welfare, not for his own well-being. That's what matters to him, seeing you married to Christ. Hey, let me tell you something. I watch. You know I do. I know my name's Hawkman on email. It should be Hawkeye, right? I watch. I watch to see who cares. You care about the body? Does it matter to you whether they're derailed? They've gone over a cliff. That sheep is caught in a thicket and he's going to die. Does it matter to you? If it does, I'll probably find that out. And there's a future. God wants to raise up leadership for us again. I know it's scary, especially with our history and the idea of having elders again is freaking some of us out. But we have to press past it. You have to. What matters is that we have the right brethren helping us. So, last thing I'm going to read, and uh, believe it or not, I, I actually took the risk, but our time is gone. I put this up there. Remember, we had so much fun with Q&A. <laughs> I might take one. 
But let me just read this at the end of this book by um, Tom Rainer. He says this. There's a sixth pledge in this book. He has a bunch of pledges. You know, I'll be a uniting member. I'll be a participating member. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do that. And, um, and they're all good things. I want to be clear. It was all good. It was just a matter of timing and whether we're ready. Sixth pledge. I am a church member. The membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became a part of the body of Christ. And soon thereafter, I identified with a local body and I was baptized. And now I am humbled and honored to serve and to love others in our church. I pray that I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and an opportunity to serve others and to be part of something, get this, to be part of something so much greater than any one person or member. There's the potential for Harmony Baptist Church, whether we change the name or not, Reharmony Baptist. Reharmony Baptist. Harmonious Baptist? I don't know. There's a potential for us to be on the map in the spirituals. You follow what I'm saying? Through the spiritual lens to be on the map making something happen. You can be part of it. So I hope the Lord will lead you to jump in. The people had a mind to work. May it happen. Do you want to ask a question? No, thank you. Let's stand together. We're going to close with worship. I didn't really let you ask a question, did I? No. I cheated. Next week. Yeah. You do. I had somebody up here say, I know where you live. <laughs> they do. Anyway, would you join me in prayer? Lord, I got to say that when, when I read the story of Nehemiah, if we put ourselves, if we could, just go back in time and kind of visualize it like we're going to make a movie about it. It had to look overwhelming. It had to look daunting. Probably to some of those people, it looked almost hopeless. A mile and a half of rubble with a few hundred workers. And yet, there's a prophetic prayer. The God of heaven will help us and give us success. And they pulled it off. And the first part, uh, that showed them that they were making progress was the wall got halfway built because the people had a mind to work. And as we go through the story, we're going to find that they complete the whole work and they have a worship celebration like they can't remember. Well, Lord, we want to get there. So lead us into the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Uh, give us wisdom, give us humility, leadership, and followership. We need all of it. Help us in the great name of Jesus, we pray, and we bless your name today for the hope that is in us in Christ. Amen.